around the world. We are very, very happy that you could join us for our first of these kind of Fabrengans. This is the pre-experience program that is run um, from the Tut Alts Women's Department. On behalf of the Tut Alts Women's Department, I'd like to welcome each of you to our first Hakel for Shluchais Zoom event. Tonight, we are very fortunate to be joined by the renowned Mrs. Sarah Blau, a prolific writer, an amazing educator, and fantastic orator, who is going to lead us in the pre-experience essence um, learning. The essence learning focuses on the Sikha of the Rebbe from Parshas Tetzalveh Tovshin Nun Beis from 5752, and it discusses, it's a question of identity. Um, without further ado, Sarah, when you're ready, you can take us away. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you so much. It's an absolute honor and pleasure to be here with Shlachais from around the world, those who are listening and joining now, those who are going to. Um, and what I really want to start off with, with is like a little bit of an unboxing because the Tutalts Women Office worked very hard to prepare for all of you today, um, not just a class, but an experience. And I want to be able to not only experience this together and understand why they use the word pre-experience and what's that about. Um, but I want to be able to show you what you would be receiving um, Hashem, when you choose to do this with your community. So you get this really lovely box it says essence on it and it's like a packet with everything in it. And I want to show you what's in here. So the first thing that's going to be in here is the booklet. It's called the program guide, which literally will tell you step-by-step step what to do when you run this program in your Chabad house or on Shlachas, wherever you are. And even though we're going to be doing this in Zoom, it even has ideas for how to set up and make it look beautiful and interactive in person. So it really is an all-inclusive program guide. The participants are going to receive two booklets that we are going to go through. I have them downloaded. We're going to go through them on PDF here, but I just want to show you these gorgeous, glossy, full-colored booklets. One of them is a journal where participants um, are going to be asked to write answers. And I actually invite you to grab a pen so that when we get up to this part of the for bringing in the lesson, you feel free to jot this down um, for yourselves so that you can also keep track and have this experience for yourself. And in addition to this journal, there's also the learning handout where the Teichen of the actual program um, is so there's the program guide for yourself, these two for the participants. Now, what's pretty amazing also is that even though the program guide has like a pretty little English lesson with questions, answers in between, they also include the entire that the lesson is based on. So if you want to really dig deeper and understand the entire Sicha, it's in Hebrew, it's in English, it's translated, there's footnotes, there's introductions. This was prepared a while back. It's a project of um, Totalt's, you know, originally from the JLI office. So it really, really, really can prepare you so well, whatever level you want to give us over, whether it's the entire Tetzava or just going through it you know, in a um, broken down manner. And there's even a surprise for, for all participants that we're going to, by the end of this little demo, we're going to be able to understand why the Total to Office chose this, but it's a mirror. It says on it, pre-experience. We'll see soon what that means and why pre-experience. And um, one of the things that actually got my son so excited is that the booklets are also full of QR codes with more resources. So my five-year-old couldn't get over that. I just opened my phone, took my camera, zoomed in on here. And before I knew it, there was a Reva video that we're going to play for you. But it's really, it's really, really, really well done. And I want to encourage you to be able to bring this to your community and even though we're not necessarily going to use all the resources tonight, they're all here. So in this booklet, again, with your handy little phone, you could just download audios that will help you prepare 
you know, there's a little um, Dropbox scan me and it will take you to um, recordings and a Canva and a schedule. They literally like made this easy for you so that you can just invite the woman and um, really inspire um, your community people. So um, with that introduction, and I always wanted to do one of those like fancy unboxing things, you know, thanks for the opportunity, Mussy. <laughs> so let's dive right into this pre-experience essence, a question of identity. And, you know, when I heard of it, I really did wonder, I'm like, why are you calling this pre-experience and not experience? So first let's understand what's experience. In the intro to the entire lesson, they, um, we basically break down what we're trying to accomplish here. We go back to Mat and Tyra, when the Yidin received the Tyra. And every single Yid was so, so, so connected and inspired by Hashem's revelations that it was like, right, they saw the thunder. Seeing the, the seeing the thunder really represents the fact that at Matantyra, every single yid had such an experience. It was like one of those life-changing experiences, once in a life, you don't forget it. It just imprinted in your memory. And people describe these type of experiences, right? I remember things from when I was a kid, once in a lifetime, I'll never forget it. Matantyra really was an experience. And we know that how did we reenact Matantyra with Hakel? And the rabbit goes into detail and at great length to describe the function of Haka, right, of the king reading from the Tyra, was to give Yidin an experience. We're after an effect here. We're not just after a ceremony. We're not after a tekes, a ceremony. We are after an effect. We're trying to replicate an experience. An experience is not just a class. An experience is, it's, it's, it's multi-sensory. It's all-inclusive. It feels real. It's not passing and it's not fleeting. And what we're trying to do this year in Hakel, the Reb explains, obviously, we're not having a king reading from the Torah, but the whole point of Hakel is the experience. So we actually have just as much access to the panemius of Hakel as ever before by creating experiences, by letting go and allowing our minds and hearts to experience something and not just to learn something and not just to hear something. So this is a year dedicated to experiencing, to doing things that you might even say, what's the point? But actually, there's a point because what you're doing is you're getting your hands, your minds, your brains, your creativity. You're allowing yourself to experience and to feel. So I'm going to start with the first share screen. I must say I need permission to screen share. It says that it's disabled for me. Alrighty, try now. It should be working. Okay. Screen share. Yes. Okay. Share. Um. Okay. So I would invite all of you, I'm going to do this virtually, to open your Mashiach journals, to take out some pen and paper. And actually, um, when you will do this with your women in your community, I would invite you to purchase six different color post-it notes to match the six colors. Must you just check in that you see it clearly and everyone can see it? Perfect. In fact, just going to cut in for a second. If you go, one of the links you get when you order the full package is to an Amazon storefront. And on there, we actually have already listed for you the sticky notes to make it easy and really very time-saving. That's great. So, like, you know, before I even started this little Zoom, Musi asked me, how should I introduce you? You know, today, everybody's got a bio. So imagine I was asking all of you for your bio. You would put out the um, sticky notes and you would ask every single person to take a pen and paper and to answer a one-line bio of each of the following of the six topics. And again, I invite you to do this here just to give yourself the gift of an experience, not just to listen, but to involve your senses, your pen, your paper, your brain. And I'm gonna just ask you, give me a bio about your career or shlachas, what's something you do, 
what's your, you know, give me a one line bio about your lineage. Give me a one line bio about your talent. Give me a one line bio about your accomplishments. what do you do today? You woke up in the morning. How do you justify that? Um, one line bio about your race. Okay. We did lineage. Here's race. And give me a one-liner about a deficiency. You know, I had a friend who her whole life, well, she couldn't get past the pack. You know, I'm not so tall myself, I'm short, but she was like even shorter than me. And like, she kind of almost like identified herself by her height. Okay. So give me just a one line of each of these. Do you write? Do you paint? What type of shlachas do you have? Is it friendship circle? Is it preschool? Is it chinuch? And naturally, what happens is that we start to think of ourselves in these terms. And this is an opening to just start thinking about, you know, how much we define ourselves by these regular, normal, external things. I mean, this is how the world you know, your one-line bio, who are you? So I'm assuming we all filled it out. And what we really want to take a look at today is this concept of identity. You know, I see that they're discussing it. What's happening, for example, in the online social media world, people get so um, stuck in their identity that, you know, what, what struck me is the um, identity that people get stuck on their deficiencies. You know, people create their entire brand around their specific struggle that they're going through. And then their whole self is tied to that. And it's not to say that people don't struggle, but it became a thing. People aspire to be a content creator with a certain brand according to the struggle that they go through. And what's basically happening is that people end up having an identity crisis because if your whole identity is based on something external, like your job, your talents, anything, your accomplishments, then one day you don't have it and you feel like a nothing. So what we want to do today is go on a Mashiach mindset journey on identity. And I have to tell you that I thought I knew what this class was going to say. I a little bit had an eye roll. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it before. Our Nisham was a real identity. And it actually, I actually was pleasantly surprised by the paradigm shift that I experienced. Talk about experience. So I invite you that even though you, you think you know what I'm going to say, to stay open-minded that there might be a little bit of a shift in what you think we're going to say today, um, as much as we you know, no. So, um, the next activity after everybody starts to get a little bit of a feel for what and how they identify with, um, we're going to start off with a little bit of a debate. Now, again, you would have this journal I think I'm going to try to make it a little bit bigger so that you could see these questions more clear. They're a bit small. Let me make them a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger so that um, you see them. And again, I, I we're going to need your whole self. This is not something you could just listen to um, while you're doing a million other things, because in order to experience it, you need to be involved. So now that we start thinking about what our identity is, and we all forfeit, we all think, you know, I'm an author, I'm a teacher, I'm a mother, anything. Once you start thinking about identity, we have some questions. Now, the way you actually run this debate with your community or Chabad house can vary because there's actually four questions here that people could debate. So either people could just look at all four questions, decide what their favorite one is and take an opinion. Yes, no. And then you could call people up. You could say, question number one, who did yes, who did no, and have them debate it out. Question number two, who did, or you could actually delegate. You could say, okay, you few, you're debating number one, pick your sides. You few, you're debating number two, pick your sides, etc. But these are all really interesting questions that our goal really is that by the end, after learning the learning booklet and after learning the core knowledge and the learning handout, we come back to this debate and we actually might be surprised by some of the new answers that we have. So here are the debate questions. 
Question number one. I'm going to read through it and then I'm going to actually give you a moment of silence. I Again, I invite you to take a pen and paper and really think of an opinion so that you can see if anything changed. Number one. We all play many roles and could choose to identify with any one of our roles, right? Mother, teacher, organizer, speaker, mentor. Does how we choose to identify ourselves impact our actions? Yes or no? Bring an example to support your answer. So if you think it does, um, Make a difference, bring a proof or an example. And if you think it does not, then bring an example. That's question number one. Question number two. Um, and by the way, I'm going to invite some of you here to see if any of you want to take a shot at debating. So I hope we're getting into it. Number two, Bela Menachem are discussing Rachi's upcoming sixth birthday. I want to throw a huge party in honor of Rachi's birthday, Bela exclaims. Menachem turns to Bela in confusion. But Bela, don't you think it's better to save the celebration for when Rachi does something special? Like when she starts davening from a siddur, right? Or gets 100 on a test or something? Like, why are we making a big deal about her birthday? I mean, obviously, the Rebbe said to make a big But like, how big of a deal? What are your thoughts? Should they make a big deal about Rachi's birthday or save the celebration for a major accomplishment? Explain your position. And the truth is, in your communities, people might not be as familiar with the Rebbe's position about birthday. So it might be like a real question, like what's more important to honor, a birthday or an accomplishment? Number three, it is a more heroic, this is a good one. Think about this carefully. Is it more heroic to be unkind and ungrateful to, I'm sorry, is it more heroic to be nice to an unkind and ungrateful stranger, someone random down the street or some random nudnik who walks into your Chabad house, or to an unkind and ungrateful relative, somebody that comes to every single Hanukkah party and Yom Tif, and they just don't know how to have healthy boundaries and they say things without meaning it. Which one is more heroic, to be nicer to the stranger or to the family member? Explain your answer. Number four... Do you feel more connected to Hashem when you're having a very challenging day or when you're having a very regular day? We're going to give a few seconds of silence to really think. You don't have to do all of them. Pick one question, one answer, and support your answer. Going to stop here for a minute. Um, is there anyone on here brave enough for the sake of everybody to take a position on one side of the debate? Any other questions? Okay, Musi, I think you're up. Me and you will debate some things. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. Um so is it more heroic to be nice to an unkind and ungrateful stranger or to an unkind and ungrateful relative? So I'll start. I think it's more heroic to be um, kind and nice to a relative because it's much harder. They're closer to you. It's so much harder to be nice to someone who you see on a constant basis and is so close to your skin. Um, it's kind of like easier to do a stranger. So I think it's more heroic to be nice to a relative. Argue with me. Oh, I kind of agree with you, but we'll play devil's advocate for a second. Um, I think it might be, there are some situations in which, you know, you never know what a stranger's going through and you hear all these stories making and breaking someone's day. And, you know, obviously to a greater extent, and you never know what, you really never know what's going through someone else's mind. And it, like, it really... It's harder when someone's, you know, not the nicest person in the entire world, but it really takes nothing to thank the cashier who really just wanted you to hurry along or the barista who didn't make you the best coffee, but smile, say thank you and just move on. Then just it takes nothing to be a nice person as hard as it might be. And it's a tiny interaction versus, you know, the unkind or a relative you might not particularly enjoy spending time with. You are obligated. You might be obligated to spend more time with them and they might come to expect a level of respect from you that you might not necessarily be in a position to always give versus the 30 second interaction you have with your 
cashier and your barista or whatever it is and you can just smile make their day and move on right and you know also with family there is a blessing of family you know that annoying person i'm not me and you this is theoretical other people our family is perfect but um you love your family and that's why you know there's it's a gift you love your family so i could actually argue against myself and say it's more it's more you know, it's really hard when that person comes into the Chabad house and they don't, they're not related to you. You don't feel like obligated. And you're like, like they're not being nice. They're not being appreciative. They're not singing your praise. They come to your Chabad house and they start offending everything. Your food, you know, they're, they're vegan and you didn't prepare vegan meal for them. And, and, you know, and it's, you're not, I don't know, the air, you know, like, that that's very heroic to be nice to someone that you you really have no obligations to. So that's just two sides of that. Um, okay, I'd love to hear from our audience. Anybody have an opinion whether they feel more connected to Hashem when you're having a challenging day or a regular day? If you want to share, just raise your virtual hand and we will ask you to unmute and you can share with us. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, Masi, you'll go first for this one. Which one do you feel closer to Hashem? Definitely when it's a challenging day. Because at the end of the day, it's really great to know that a bad day ends and a bad day ultimately comes from Hashem. And it's not my fault. And I can, you know, I can take responsibility for it. Um, and I can move on with the day. But I know that Hashem's there and he's supporting me through it. And when it is tough, it's much easier to remember that versus when, uh, you know, things are easier. But I could argue when a day when I'm I'm, I'm so grateful, right? Like a, a day of a simcha, a day when a you know a baby is born, a, a upsharnish, it's a great day, and I feel so close to Hashem. And you know when it's a hard day, I could feel the opposite. I could feel like, why are you doing this to me? And it's so difficult and so challenging. And I would argue that it's actually easier to feel closer to Hashem that when there is, you know, a, a a happy day, just a regular happy day where I'm just filled with so gratitude, you know, the weather's been so good to us this season. And like, I don't know, for those of you that are in New York, I don't know what it's like wherever you are. Um, Can I add a counter argument though? Sure. Uh, you know, not every day do families have babies. You know, there are just regular days where, you know, you got to get the kids to school and you got to go to work and you got to plan an event. And those are just like, days where life is just normal and on those days it might be hard to like to bring Hashem into those days because they're just regular days as opposed to something you know catastrophic happening or something amazing and you know beautiful happening just a regular Sunday you know whatever day it is right oh perfect Malka Raskin's raising her hand go for it you should be able to unmute yourself. Okay, I did. Hi. Can you hear me well? Yeah, we hear you. Okay, great. Um, so I think I'm going to side on the normal day because um, I just feel like the ability to have the structure of being able to like seven properly which is five minutes, don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, but like to daven and to do the chitas, to like actually just have your routine and whatever, you're just really able to like connect. And obviously I'm like, baby shows this with you all the time. Like I don't need any special circumstances of like challenge or whatever to really like, of course I appreciate it. When the baby shows gives me that push and like, um, you know, we could accommodate, but also I don't think that it's necessary in terms of like the growth or, um, just to feel baby star in my life, like so not necessary at all. Um, and I just, yeah, like um, I think I think that I much prefer <laughs> not. I much prefer. I would obviously much prefer the normal day over a challenging day. But I think that even on a normal day, that's really when I'm connected and I'm really able to focus um, much more. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I resonate. Also, I th- I'm going to say something that might be wrong, but this is the way I feel right now, that when you were davening for something and you get it, you don't take it for granted, even when it's a regular day. So whether it's someone who, you know, wait, you know, whether they daven for something with hell or they waited for a shidduch or they waited for to have that child, even though they're not having the baby every day, 
they look around and they experience, they're like, just, wow, thank you, Hashem. There's just this, like, there, there can be potential for this overwhelming gratitude and connection to Hashem. Um, but I, but I hear both sides and, and we're going to definitely explore it. So we discussed the, we discussed the connecting to Hashem. We discussed the, the being nice. There's the birthday, the accomplishment versus the birthday. And I really would love to pick your brains. Does identifying yourself by your role make a difference in your actions? Like, hi, I am in a position of leadership. I'm a leader. Does that make a difference to the way I lead or show up? Is it important for me to identify with my roles? Yes or no? And bring um, proof to support your answer. What do you think? Um, okay, Musi, I'll share. I think it's very important. Um, I think that when I show up with confidence... When I have the confidence to call myself a leader, oh my gosh, I'm going to show up differently. I don't just have people working for me. I'm like, I'm leading them. I need to show up that way. I feel that it's extremely important to really identify with the roles that I play, right? I'm a mother. I'm not just a a, a person living in a house with these kids. I'm their mother. I'm responsible for them. I have to take care of them. I have to nurture them and be in tune with them. So I'm going to argue with the fact that identifying with your roles is extremely necessary and makes a huge difference and impact on your actions. What do you think? I think I 100% agree with that. I've been in definitely situations where because I'm in X and X situation, I, you know, have to show up that way. But as in I identify with that specific title and the, and it, it directly impacts my actions. And sometimes I find for myself, if I put myself in a situation where I get given a certain title, it makes it easier on me because it's extrinsic. I'm extrinsically motivated to show up in such a way, even if intrinsically it's what I want to do, right? I, I want to be a happy, cheery person 24-7. And if I put myself in a situation like head counselor in camp where there is no off time, I have to find it in myself to be that to be that person. All well, not all the time. They're sleeping sometimes, but as in it helps with motivating me to engage in the behaviors that I already want to be doing. But there's like an external motivation to be doing it because there's someone, you know, looking at me and seeing, oh, what's she actually doing? Right. So then you kind of agree with me, really. Hundred percent, I agree with you. Hundred percent. We're not debating this time. We're not debating this one. We have Anyone to agree on this one. Disagree with us. Come on. I could disagree. I could disagree. Is there, <laughs> okay. There's a concept. Um, it's applied to running, actually. They okay. say even if even if you don't go running that often, you still have to call yourself a runner because, well, it kind of goes to your point because the logic is that eventually you call yourself a runner enough and eventually you'll, you'll engage in the behavior that leads to actually being a runner. But, you know, the consistency doesn't have to be there to at least give you the title. You can start with a title and then build up to making that really your identity, not just like a title that you give yourself. So it kind of actually does lead into your point. (laughs) Okay. So putting the, you know, we started off talking about different things that you might identify yourself with. We kind of debated whether that was good, bad, important, not important. Let's dive straight into the learning, the core knowledge, and then see if that impacts. Um, Okay. I'm back to screen sharing. Um, share, but instead of the journal, I want to share now the core knowledge. Okay. We, we know that identity is very important. Um, you know, from a very young age, kids identify very strongly who they are right? Like, who's my mommy? Who's my tati? Who's my friend? Are you not my friend? And and identity is very important. The question is, what is our real identity? Um, so there's actually a recording for this that I'm not going to play now, where we play, you can play the Maida'ani for the women in your community. And you could just start off asking, like, you know, we start off every single morning saying Maida'ani. And what does it mean to you? Like, and it used to be before I actually learned this class, I learned it about two weeks ago and I have been 
practicing it since every single morning until now. My da'ani was a very, um, very strong and powerful reminder of gratitude for me. And I always loved it. I always loved my Donnie. I always loved the ability to wake up in the morning, as long as there weren't screaming humans that needed me to just stay and be present and focus. Um, and now I see that it, it's it's not just gratitude, but there's something much, much deeper. And like we started touching upon in the beginning, normally and naturally, we start and tend to define ourselves based on similar to what society does, right? Like I am a children's book author. Like that's what I think of myself as. And we know, and this is something that we all know before, and we're going to push this a little bit deeper. Obviously we're not our accomplishments. Obviously we're not our seichel. We're not our midas. We're not anything external. Who are we really? Really, we have an ashama. Really, that's who we are. And what we want to look at today is that, yeah, we all know we have an ashama and we all even know the implications of it, but we want to turn this into something that's superimposed into our consciousness to making a part of our consciousness. And I'll explain to you what that means. So um, I've said this many times in class to students, you know, we have an ashama, parrot based Tanya. I said this to myself, you know, I made an event that I thought a few hundred people would come to and a hundred people came. I'm like, you know, you're not your success, right? Beyond mistakes. Um, the first implication of the fact that we have an ashama regularly that we, you know, we have been taught to think is that if I make a mistake, I'm not my mistake, right? I'm not a failure. I don't need to equate my self-worth and value with my failures, which are going to happen because we're human. And I tell myself, no, I have an Hashem. My connection to Hashem is not dependent on any actions. And again, this is what we're used to. We're going through what we're used to so that we could push it further. I'm also used to, not that it's easy, but I'm used to hearing that this is what I should do. I should when I feel that I'm really, really, really struggling with something. And it's repetitive again and again, whether it's a, a interpersonal relationship, a personality thing, something that's really, really hard, a specific Yitzhahara that's particular to me. And I break free. I break free from it. I tell myself I'm not limited by this negative thing. I'm not limited by my struggle. I am not my brand. And by brand, I don't mean just a clothing brand or a company. I mean, like what I said my issue is. I'm not that I'm in a shama. And when I look at other Yidin, right, they might not dress the standard that I have. They might not live the life. I look at them. I'm like, oh, you're in a shama. And what we want to say here is all oh, that is beautiful. It's admirable. But we want to go a step deeper today. We don't want to just tap into this neshama thing as like an emergency measure, like adrenaline. Adrenaline is not something you could live with all day. Adrenaline is something that like under an emergency, your body will pump adrenaline. Like those famous stories of women who could lift a car, you know, when they had enough adrenaline. We want our I, I identification with our shaman not to be this emergency thing, not to be this thing that I pull out when I'm feeling so depressed that I failed. Oh, I have an ashama. We want to learn how to identify with it 24 seven, that it shouldn't be this exhausting second thought on second, on first thought, I'm a failure and I'm depressed on second thought. Oh, I have an ashama. That's what we're looking to change. And here's what's unbelievable. When Mashiach comes, it's not going to take any effort to identify with our neshama and with our essence. Here, you're going to see it in English, but I really want to be able to read it to you from the text. I'm going to read it to you from the text. When Mashiach comes, it will be obvious and revealed and expressed. It's the true essence of the Yid. Our essence. That's one with Hashem. In other words, when Mashiach comes, I'm not going to think of myself as how many kids' books I wrote. I'm going to think of myself as my Neshama. That's going to happen naturally. I'm not going to have to work on it. Right? But here's the most amazing thing. It's not going to be either this or that. 
either identify with my neshama or identify with my personality. Either identify with my neshama or I identify with my intellect or my pleasures. The whole point is that when Mashiach comes, our essence will be expressed through our seichel and our midais and our kaiches, which means right now we have like this like, you know those like Russian dolls where you take off the outer layer and the outer layer until you get a little baby. We have like this essence and neshama inside of us and in order to access it, it has to be like Kim Kippur. Ni'ila. It's like this emergency thing. It's not like a day-to-day thing. If you have etzim and neshama, you don't have your everyday life. And if you have everyday life, you don't have etzim and neshama. It doesn't merge together. Mashiach comes, the whole chiddush is, our essence will be revealed in day-to-day life. Naturally. In our tainog, in our ratzain, in our seichel, in our midays. What will I want? It will be an extension of what my essence wants. What will I think? An extension of my essence. What will I feel? An extension of my essence. It won't be a contradiction. It won't be my my pleasure is for food and sensual pleasure. My etta, my neshama wants Hashem. It's let's fight it out. Should I listen to my neshama or my pleasure? No, my pleasure will be my essence, one with Hashem. So now we go why why to this to the reason we call this a pre experience. Why is this a pre experience? Because yes, when Mashiach comes, this will happen naturally. We can pre-experience Geula now. And that's what we're inviting ourselves to do. Because in the old model, your Yechida was something that came out like adrenaline. It was rare. It was exhausting. It was an emergency tool. It wasn't your day-to-day. Living with Geula means that I start to identify with my essence to the extent that it expresses itself in my kachis, in my thought, in my emotions, now. You know, it reminds me of the Maimur of Yatza where the Rebbe says that what was Mesiris Nefesh in the olden days? Mesiris Nefesh, let's say the Yidin that sacrificed their life to um, jump into the fire in the Spanish Inquisition. Huge Mesiris Nefesh. They revealed their essence. But what happened? In order to do that, they had to shut down their thoughts. Their thoughts would say, this makes no sense. Why should I be killing myself? They had to shut down their feelings. What if it was painful? What if they didn't want to leave behind children? What if they had family members? In order to reveal their essence, they had to shut down Seichel and Midas. It wasn't logical, and it was very painful. And the Rebbe explains in Matzatzava, the whole point that we want to do now is that our essence should be expressed in Seichel and Midas, not shut it down. Living Mashiachtik means that we start to identify with our essence on a consistent basis. Not that it comes and knocks us out. In Kippur, we start bawling and crying, and next day it's all over. Waking up every single morning and truly identifying with our essence to the point that it spills over into our thoughts and feelings. And that's the Chedosh that we're asked to here. And we're trying to preempt this reality. And it seems impossible. Well, we are the last generation of Gullahs, the first of Geula. We can't do that. We can identify with this Mashiach mindset. And the Rebbe teaches us a very, very powerful tool how. And this goes back to Maida'ani. Sorry, just jumped a little bit too much. The Rebbe says, I will give you a time to meditate. I will give you a time to identify with your neshama and with your essence on a daily basis. What do we say when we wake up in the morning? We say, Maida, I acknowledge, Ani Lefanacha, right? I acknowledge. The Rebbe says, Ani, my essence is Lefanacha, is one with you, Hashem. And that's obvious. So why are we adding Maida? Why the emphasis on Maida? And I've been doing this. It's been powerful for two weeks. Maida is, I acknowledge with my Seichel and my Midas and my Tainog and my Ratan, all my internal Kaichais. I choose to identify Ani, my essence, Lefanacha, before you. I'm not going to wait till I have a bad day and a challenge. I'm not going to wait till something comes up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to shama. I will start my intention off in the morning. I will set my whole day by saying, I am an shama. This is my essence. And this is a very, very powerful gu'ula tool. Now, when we say my da'ani in the morning, right? This also, this next excerpt this explains the precise wording of maida'ani which begins with maida term of haida it's obvious right we're not saying a chiddush the chiddush is is that we 
are my da'it. And it seems so simple, but actually the mindset is completely transformational because then it's not just an emergency tactic that superimposes on our day, but it's, it's actually something that we're living with a whole day so that when we need it, we're already thinking like that. It's not like, okay, now let me take out my first aid kit. It shapes my entire day. And this is what it means to live with Ka'ula, to live with my essence. So going back to what we started off before, in the beginning, we were saying, you know, when you mess up, you tell yourself you're having a shama. We're saying something much deeper here. We're not saying this like an excuse. Oh, no matter what I do, Hashem loves me anyways. No, the biggest and best motivation that I as a deity could have is I'm connected to my neshama. I can't betray my identity. In other words, we're not going to come target to her after the fact and be like, hey, I can't give in to you because I have a neshama. We're preempting this in the morning. This is who I really am. We. This is who I am. So it's a her, don't even try. Um, we, we're trying to start our day and, and this is possible. This is possible to live like a Mashiach, like a thing where it's not like I have to make a choice. Either I choose essence or I choose my real intellect, my real personality. You know, I really, really, really want this, but I'll give it up for Hashem. This is much more. It's my real identity doesn't want any of that. I don't really want to do something that's against my identity. It's not like I want, right? And that, and this is, this helps us with our tzniyas. It helps us with our kite. It's not like something external, tell me what to do and I'll do it. When I identify with my neshama, it should be expressed automatically in the way I think, in the way I feel. And we have this ability. And that's what the Rebbe was telling us in this parashat of Sicha. It's huge. You can identify with your essence. So in the conventional mindset, and I have to admit, this is something that I always thought, and, and the truth is, this talks about it, that in a certain level, that when you're in a very dark place, you can reach the greatest highs. We're saying, what's a Mashiach mindset? You don't need the dark to get close to Hashem. For Galas, that's all you need. For Geula, you're right. We don't need the hardships. Hashem, you can give us easy days, and we're still going to be in touch with you. I'm so identified with my neshama that my, I don't need your wake up calls. I don't need your negative wake up calls in order to get closer to Hashem. I'm going to connect to Hashem because obviously my neshama wants to connect to Hashem. And going back to the stranger versus family member, you know, in the conventional mindset, we say that, you know, that stranger, we look at them like they're in a shamha. And even though they might look like a beggar or someone uncomfortable, you'd be nice to them. And we're saying that we have the ability to be nice even to the people that are closest to us. Sorry. We have the ability to be nice even to the people that are closest to us because the more aligned we are to our own neshama, the more aligned we are able to be to someone else's neshama. We live a life where we look at essence, question of identity. And it's, this is much deeper than just I'm an Hashem and you're an Hashem and let me ignore the way you look. The whole point is, is that it's expressed even in the kaiches. And actually I could develop feelings equally for a family member or a stranger of real love. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm really disgusted, but because you're in a sham, I'll be nice to you. I actually have the ability to find love for this person. It could impact my feelings. I could actually think it's not so crazy. We're trying to express our essence in our soul powers as opposed to fighting them. And the way we do that is to go right away in. Start of my day by acknowledging Hashem. This is who I really am. And then I don't have to struggle with the ups and the downs, with the highs and the lows, with my successes, with my failures. It, my identity does not have to be those six things in the beginning. Those are natural expressions of my identity. Right? So it's not just a ruchnistic, a successful day or not. In a Mashiach mindset, I celebrate a birthday. I understand the reason why we make such a big deal about a birthday. Right? When a baby is born, they do nothing. They literally do nothing. They eat and they sleep. And you change them. And yet, 
that's huge. That's the essence. And we wake up every single morning in a Mashiach mindset. We're saying my essence, and it doesn't make us lazier. Oh, I don't need to do anything. I have my essence. The opposite. We identify so strongly with our essence to the point that we want to do what our essence wants. And this is something that the Rebbe taught us. There was a Yid who once wrote to the Rebbe and he called himself a small Jew from Karako. And the Rebbe responded, I must, however, take exception to you referring to yourself as a small Jew from Karako. There's surely no need to emphasize to you at length that every Jew, man or woman, has a nefesh al kiss, which is a part of godliness. So there's no such thing as a Jew. And we're talking about this is the way the Rebbe saw us. And this is the way we could see ourselves. There is a famous story of a man who came to the Rebbe very, very, very disillusioned. And he said to the Rebbe, you know, the thing with people is that they're really, really, really disappointing. I have these people, I get to know them. I'm all like impressed, they're so nice, they're so sweet. And then you get to know, you see that that really, this one lies, the other one's selfish, this one is self-serving. I mean, people really are just disappointing. I'm disillusioned. No one's perfect. The Rebbe gave him a mashal. Imagine walking down the street and you see a beautiful garden. If you dig a little bit, you're going to see mud. But if you dig a little deeper, you're going to find gold, precious jewels. You will find what's really hidden deep within the earth. They're ever saying, go past the garden and go past the mud. And we have this with ourselves also. We feel like, oh my gosh, on the external, you know, people know one side of us. If they only knew the mud that we carried. Rebbe says, don't get stuck in your own mud. Go deeper. You're not your mud. You're not your brand for the good or for the bad. You're your essence. Your essence is in a shama. It's, it's, it's everything. And that's what the Rebbe is teaching us. Musi, do you think you could play the video? Give me one second. I am just pulling it up. Hang on. Okay. Sorry, give me one moment. All righty, just give me a thumbs up if you can see that. And we'll start playing it out. Ich <laughs> you know, as many times as we hear it, seeing it and, and seeing it and hearing it in the Rebbe's words is so much more powerful where it's there's no such thing as a far Jew. You make the close closer. The Rebbe looks at a Yid as close. And that means there's no identity called far. There's no identity for a Jew. It's not possible. Our real identity is close. Our real identity is essence. Our real identity is neshama. 
And if you go back to all the debate questions, really, essentially, they're all centered around this idea of once you identify with your essence, it impacts everything. So going back to the question about whether um, identifying with your role makes a difference to your actions. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that you identify with an external role, like teacher or runner. Identifying with your internal essence will impact your actions. And the birthday thing, of course, the idea that the birthday is celebrating your essence. And when it comes to the stranger versus the the relative, they're both equal. They're both equally trying to find essence. And the perspective after learning the core knowledge about, you know, being connected to Hashem on a challenging day and a regular day, we touch upon it, is that regularly challenges do bring out our essence. But with this Mashiach mindset, we could choose to live with our essence even on a regular day. So you would wrap up this class and take away, you would first ask the people, you know, did their mind shift switch at the end, you know, the beginning debate or at the end, they could write notes on the Maida'ani Lepanecha. And then the takeaway, the takeaway is number one, saying Maida'ani with Kavana and with the new intention that we set today. And here comes the mirror, looking in the mirror and remembering that your essence is really your neshama inside of you. And when you identify like that, going out of your way for someone else because they are a yid. So um, I really hope that you were able to feel a little bit of an experience, a little bit of a shift from, you know, knowing we have an neshama to choosing to identify with that neshama, not an emergency, but in the morning, setting that tone and intention. And I encourage you all to continue to do this in your communities and each of us living Mashiach will bring us and lead us to the ultimate Mashiach and Geula now. So thanks, Masi. Amen. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. I know I gained a lot from this. Um, for those of you who would like to purchase the pre-experience package, we now have Essence and Synthesis available at our website, tutalts.com forward slash women. That's T-U-T-A-L-T-Z dot C-O-M forward slash women. Um, if you have any questions, we would love to answer them. You can WhatsApp us or you can email us at women at totarts.com. Thank you so much for joining our first Hakel Shluchos Fabrengen. We look forward to having many, many more with Mashiach now. Have a good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, wherever you are joining us from.